0: Ukulele, Abe. Aloha and welcome to Abe's Ukulele Podcast. I'm Abe, and thank you so much for joining me. I know it's been a while since my last episode. Um, yeah, so many things have been going on. I'm still figuring this out exactly how and what I want to do. But thank you so much for being here. Uh, got a lot to talk about today. I want to talk about practice and music, and uh, with the holiday season coming up some good ideas for ukuleles. And yeah, let's just get started. So one of the things I want to talk about today is practice. And what does practice mean? What is it for? How can it be super effective? Especially as a teacher, this is something I am always trying to teach my students because I only have a short amount of time with them, right? And um, it's, it's, really, really important. Um, You might know. (laughs) So there's this great article that came out earlier this year with a TED-Ed YouTube video. It's also really awesome. It goes over really well how to practice effectively. And I just wanted to kind of briefly cover that. Um, The main idea is really focusing on your practice and really just kind of tuning out all distractions, right? So if you're practicing ukulele and watching Netflix, that's okay. It's not bad. But if you really want it to be effective, you really have to be 100% focused on that practice. I notice with myself when I am totally invested in playing the instrument when I'm practicing, I feel like I make more progress. Um, Of course, it's a lot of feeling. And it's really hard to gauge exactly how they compare, whether you're practicing 100% focused and not 100% focused. But I would say it's definitely, in my experience, safe to say that I I get so much more out of it if I'm really focused on it. So another thing that you can do to um, help you focus is actually just turn off your computer or turn off or put your phone on airplane mode. Um, And it just helps you really connect with the music, which is great, because you want to be, when you're practicing, you want to be connecting with your instrument more. So another thing that helps with practice, and I cannot emphasize this enough, is actually playing slowly and playing with a metronome. So there are so many ways you can get a metronome. There are metronomes online for free. You can use it with your computer. I know, I told you to turn your computer on, so I'm sorry. <laughs> You're gonna have to turn it back on. Um, there are apps that have metronomes. Uh, they are metronomes. Um, the one I really love to use is called Tempo. It's for iPhone and Android. And it's just, you know, just a simple click. Now the practice is playing whatever your music is with this. And of course, I tell my students, this might get really annoying that's okay. It's absolute and it will never change. So when you can play with the metronome at a certain speed perfectly, then you repeat it and then you make it a little bit faster. And this is actually one of the concrete ways that you can see yourself get better at a piece of music. Um, with my own students, one thing that I see is a big struggle is playing too slowly. But really what it is is when you can play something super slowly, even if it's 40 beats per minute or <laughs> um, you know, one beat a minute, something super slow, when you play it slow, it's giving you enough time to think about where the next note is and how to hit it at the exact right time. Ultimately, when you get it in line with the metronome, it might feel a little bit robotic, but then from that point you really have to think about the feeling of the piece. Okay, so if it's a waltz, it actually has a specific dance feel to it. If it's not a waltz, if it's just something in 4-4 four, four time, um, you really have to feel the actual rhythm and the beat and then how the notes line up. Because if you're only stuck with the metronome forever, you might kind of sound robotic, and we don't want that. We want, <laughs> we want the music to have emotion, right? So That's just another little tip that I have for practicing and improving. Really slowing down and using a metronome. Um, In terms of time, it's really up to you. Um, If you can practice an hour every day, that'd be awesome. I've heard uh, Isaac Perlman, one of the best violinists of all time, Sorry if I didn't pronounce his name right. He said once that if you practice more than, I believe it was 7 hours a day, it's actually not that great. It's not very helpful. So, if you if you hit that threshold of 7 hours a day, first of all, what are you doing for a job, but also, you know, you need to put in breaks, right? So, whatever your practice time is, whatever, you know, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour every day, you also need to give yourself time to think about it, time to just relax. It's, you know, it's just like anything else um, where you have to do something repeatedly to learn it, like walking or learning how to read. Um, Speaking another language, you need to have consistent time, right? So a little bit every day, but then also you need time to really give your brain a chance to soak it up Um, so in this video on this article that I was mentioning earlier, one thing that they brought to my attention was a study where they had basketball players practicing free throws and then imagining practicing free throws. And, um, they were saying actually they improved very at very similar rates because they were imagining the practice and then they were actually practicing. So that's another little aspect of it is, um, Your brain really has a lot to do with the actual practice. Um, So it goes back to what I was saying earlier about focusing. You really got to focus on your practice to make it really effective. Um, And of course, I encourage you to try this. um, See if you can practice doing something else. I do this all the time. And then see if you can practice that same thing, just focused on it, and see if you feel a difference afterwards, if you feel like you've improved more or not. now, I'm not saying it's bad, again, but, you know, to practice while you're doing something else. Um, but if you're really, really invested into your practice 100%, I think it's so much better. So give it a shot. I encourage you. Um, there's other things that can help you practice. There's an app called Musician, which I like. It's pretty interesting. Um, it kind of gives you this feel of, like, Guitar Hero or um, Dance Dance Revolution. Basically, it has the notes on your phone. It's spelled musician, like Y-O-U, and then the end of the word, musician. And um, you can also learn guitar, piano, and bass. I've played around with the ukulele one a little bit. Um, I think it's really great, because you use your phone. It makes it a little more exciting than just staring at a book. (laughs) Of course, as a, you know, traditional music student, I really value paper music, um, and being able to take what's on the paper and create it. Um, But musicians are definitely a good tool. Another great tool is actually the ukulele app, which is really cute. Um, It's started by the ukulele teacher. Uh, He's a pretty well-known ukulele teacher (laughs) on YouTube. Um, Anyway, the ukulele app, has a lot of really great tools. It does have lessons and a tuner built in. And also it has these, um, like a chord library and what I really like is progressions and a scale library. Something to just help you practice finding your way around the ukulele. So it's not just the chords that you're playing on this song sheet, right? Once you start to be able to make all these extra connections to like, oh, there's a C note here also, Or, there's an E here, so I can play this chord this way. Um, It really helps you feel so much more comfortable on the instrument, and then you just have so much more room to um, explore and create. I mean, you have a relatively short fretboard, right? Um, A lot of ukuleles stop at 12 or uh, 15 frets, depending on the size, but that's a lot of space, really. Um, 12 frets, 4 strings. You got a lot of things you could do there. So, um, I definitely encourage you with these. Just, I mean, there's so many apps. These are just two that I thought I'd mention to, you know, if you haven't heard of them, to just get you started thinking more about uh, where you're going with your ukulele, what you're doing. Um, uh, a really fantastic book that I am going through is called Ukulele Fretboard Roadmaps. It's... It's this book that basically covers exactly what I was talking about: finding the notes and the chords and the scales everywhere on the ukulele. And it's just, um, yeah, if yeah, if you're inclined to learn more, I encourage you to uh, take a look at that. So, uh, talked about practice a little bit. I wanted to talk about some music, some ukulele music, just a little bit. Um, there's this guy, he came out with an article in the Ukulele Magazine recently, pretty awesome, his name is Ledward Ka'apana, might not have pronounced that right, but he is a fantastic slack key guitar and ukulele player. Now, I learned about him, I don't know, a long time ago, and um, I heard a couple of his songs, I didn't really spend a lot of time exploring his music. And then I found out that he played a concert at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. And he just, it was just him on a stage and he played ukulele and guitar and it was just incredible. (laughs) Um, he is a fantastic singer, fantastic player. If you have not heard of him, please look him up and give him a listen. Ledward Ka'apana. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have them in the notes. Another musical group that you should probably know about is a pair of girls called Honoka and Azita. They've been gaining popularity very fast. Uh, two young girls from Hawaii, and they play ukulele. Uh, they play <laughs> really awesomely. Um, obviously, there's, there's so much I can say about them and all the other ukulele music that um, you can hear these days, but... Just for now, I just wanted to point out those two musical acts that you should really give a listen to if you haven't. Ledward Kaapana and Honoka Izita. Freaking awesome players. Right. So, if you need a new ukulele or are um, just need an excuse, (laughs) because, uh, you know, like me, you want to leave that ukulele in that tuning and you want to switch to another tuning, you're going to need a new ukulele. Um, If you need to buy one as a present, you're going to need a new ukulele. Um, There are so many great ukuleles out there. Uh, Of course, there's Kala and Ohana and uh, Cordoba. They all make fantastic ukuleles. Um, My personal favorite would have to be Pono and Koaloha. I have a Kanilea and, um, they're all just fantastic, but, um, Pono is great because they are pretty affordable compared to, um, most ukuleles in the upper range, right? So you can start maybe around 300, I think is the cheapest one, and a lot of them come with solid tops. Now, the first ukulele I had was a Makala, right? It was one of the cheapest ones I could get. It was a concert, I believe, and, um, after that, I got a Pono, and the difference between the cheapest Makala laminate and the Pono solid top—that really opened up my eyes to um, how beautiful a ukulele can sound. Right, because it was what I had before was basically the cheapest classroom instrument kind of thing you could get. It can only sound good, so good. I had new strings on it, whatever you know. I tried to make it great, but then when I got the Pono, that's when I really just dove in. Um, Now, I'm not trying to say get a pono. Of course, I don't think you'd be disappointed. But what I am trying to say is, uh, I think there's a certain step, there's a certain point where you move up into a certain range, or, you know, price range, quality range of ukuleles, where it'll really just, uh, it'll really just sing with your soul. Uh, And it's incredible. I don't know where that price range is, really. Um, I think the ukulele that I got, the Pono, I can't remember how much it cost. It was maybe $400. But I know you can... I have played ukuleles cheaper than that. It's not really the price. It's really just the quality. Um, I highly recommend you looking for an affordable solid top. I believe the solid tops that I've heard compared to laminates of similar price. Um, They usually sound so much better. It's more resonant. It's more full. Uh, It just sings. But, um, yeah, if you can, if you don't have something that is a solid top, see if you can get your hands on one and try playing it. Um, I think it'll be, you know, like I said, it'll just make such a big difference in your ears. Um, Another brand that I've heard really good things about I haven't been able to play is this brand called Enya. I think it's a Chinese brand and um, they look fantastic. Um, I've heard good things about them. Um, You can always go to the ukulelesite.com to hear a lot of really good sound recordings. Now their ukuleles start, I think, from about 150 or $200, so they don't have the cheapest models. But I think that's a great thing, because all the ukuleles they do have, you can expect a really great sound from. Um, yeah, I could talk about ukuleles forever, because they are incredible. Um, if you need <laughs> um, good ideas for like what your next ukulele will be... Um, now is obviously a really good time to buy one, but you could go to one site I really like, run by Baz, is ukulele.com or ukulele.com whatever you want to call it. Um, he basically just does reviews of all the ukuleles you could possibly think of, and uh, they're pretty great. He is very meticulous and um, very blunt and brutal, and um, yeah, he goes through everything, so if you You know, if you're thinking of an ukulele and you can't actually play it yourself, like you can't get to a store where they sell them, I highly recommend you look on his site first on Gotta Ukulele so that you can see if he reviewed it. He probably has, and um, then you know um, what he thinks of it. There's also a Facebook group that he runs that I'm a part of called I've Gotta Ukulele. And it's very well moderated. It's basically just pictures and reviews of ukuleles that people have. So it's a really good place to go for ideas about what your next ukulele is. Um, Yeah, so if you need another ukulele, (laughs) I mean, how many of us don't have enough, right? I know I don't have enough. But anyway, um, if you need a new one, just um, the best thing to do would be play one. Right, but if you can't, like many of us, I don't have any stores with good ukuleles around with me. Um, go online, listen to them, and uh, see if other people have played them and what they think of them. Right, um, I got a Connie layout, and I had the numbers inlaid on the fretboard, just like Matt Dahlberg, and I really love it. But um, I tried—I can't remember what strings. Maybe it was Worth Brown strings. And I thought it sounded so bad. <laughs> um, it comes with the, u- the ukulele that I have. They It comes with Aquila. And uh, after speaking to Canilea, they said they really love these Aquila. I asked them to put a certain set of strings, and they said no, because Aquila sound best on these. So that's all we do. Um, I don't know if that's always the case with every instrument, but um, I noticed it's, it's definitely... <laughs> makes a big difference. The strings that you try, um, Worth Browns, they're great strings, sure, but somehow they didn't sound good on that one. (laughs) Um, I really love living water strings myself. They didn't really sound good on that one either. Right now, it has a set of South Coast Ook strings, and I like them. They're pretty good, but, um, that's just, I'm telling you this because when you try different strings on the same ukulele, it will sound different, and, um, yeah, it's, it's really important and great to experiment like that. Um, of course, the trouble with that is then it's like, um, you know, like I have a low G ukulele, I have a high G ukulele, and then I have this other one and I'm trying different things on it. You know, it just means you need more ukuleles. <laughs> um, of course, if you just have one, it's fine. You can also swap out strings. I know people that do that. I tend to feel like once I put a set of strings on then they're stuck. And if I take them off, they're not going back on. But actually, it's fine. You can take them off, put them back on. Mm, I know of people that have just taken off high G to put on a low G, and that's fine too. Um, I tried a set on a tenor I had once, and they were tuned baritone, but with a high D. So it was high D, G, B, E. And that was on a tenor guitar. And I know GHS makes a set like that, I believe the ones I had were Living Water. But anyway, this set of strings, D, G, B, E, High D, they sound so awesome on a tenor ukulele. Um, that's just an example of like experimenting and trying out new sounds, what you can get out of your ukulele. Of course, that's also good tuning for guitar players. And um, with the High D, it makes it just makes it more interesting. I personally really love High G for its more clustered chords. Does that make sense? So, like, the notes are a little bit more closely positioned, right? So if you play a C chord, you have C, E, G, C, right? And they're closer. If you play it on a low G, then you have a G in the bass, right? And it's just more spread out. And that's not to say it's bad. I, I love them both, and I have both of my ukuleles strung like that. But anyway, um, yeah, so... um. That's enough about music and uh, ukuleles, and now everybody's going to be buying stuff and, uh, you know, upset at me for (laughs) going back in debt for more ukuleles. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of great ukulele festivals coming up and a lot of new things happening in the world, Um, but I won't get into that today. I just wanted to get this episode going because when I started this, podcast i committed to try to do one every month and uh, i missed two months i'm really sorry about that but at the same time i'm also still figuring out exactly what i want to do my goal is to basically have a podcast that can help players and teachers get better and just learn more about the ukulele also it's for me to just kind of like rant and talk about how much i like the ukulele because i don't know a lot of people personally that would uh put up with me talking about it, (laughs) because they don't play, or they do play, but they don't play that much, whatever it is. Um, Anyway, so thank you for joining me. Um, I have one last tip that I realized recently when I was teaching a class. So I've been teaching for about two years the ukulele in the classroom, and I do use the ukulele in the classroom method, which I absolutely love. But I realized I had been doing this thing where when we play through a piece of music with a class, whether it's um, five students or 20 students, I play. And it never really occurred to me that actually if I'm teaching a song or if I'm conducting the song, right, I should be conducting and I should not be playing and I shouldn't be singing, Um, especially with singing. It's um, it's actually more encouraging and more inviting if I don't sing all the time. Now, if my students don't know the song, that's a different thing. But I realized that the tip that I wanted to share with you is basically I should not play when I'm leading the class. So the reason, there's many reasons, I'm sure, and sometimes I will play because I have to um, because they don't know the part or whatever it is. But I shouldn't play because then... I can hear them much uh, better. Does that make sense? I can hear them very well. If I'm playing, I'm thinking about my notes. I'm thinking about the music, and I'm hearing myself, and then I'm hearing them, right? But if I'm not playing, they have to carry it. So, first of all, my attention will be more focused on them. I'll be able to correct them more easily. And the other thing is, they'll be able to hear themselves more clearly also because I won't be carrying the melody. And then suddenly it might be gone, right? Or the chords might be gone, and it might just sound weird. And especially if the students are older, whether they're eighth grade um, teenagers or adults, they'll actually notice, and they'll try much more uh, hard to... (laughs) I'll try harder. They'll try harder to figure out what it was missing, right? When you stop playing. Um, If you're playing, then actually it's going to fill in that space. And if they're making mistakes, it's not going to be as easy for them to hear it. So I encourage you teachers, whether it's one or 20 students, don't always play. Now, there are many times when you should play, especially if you're playing with them and they got the song and you want to have fun. But you need to give them time to carry it themselves. Um, Maybe it's obvious to many of you, but (laughs) that's something I realized recently about teaching music. Um, Yeah, anyway, so um, that's going to do it for the podcast for today. Um, I encourage you to, if you really enjoy this podcast or if you have any ideas, um, it would be so great if you could Leave me a review on iTunes to help me out, to make it more visible. Um, You can send me a note on my website, ukuleleabe.com, and you click on contact. Um, Yeah, and uh, if this was terrible, I ask for your patience. I'm still figuring out what I want to do, but ultimately my goal, like I said, is to make something valuable for students and teachers of the ukulele to get better at playing and knowing the ukulele. So that's it. Um, thank you so much for joining me and, uh, have a great day.